You ready? Hey, little freaks. And creeps. Little freaky creepies. Woo-woo. Welcome back to our lovely podcast. Are you going to try to say oh, the name? <laughs> I was going to, and then I, In I pulled back. In the nick of crime. Ooh, sing it, girl. Like Les Mis. Ooh, that's impressive. I bet you you could, though. In the nick of crime. <laughs> Starting off on Slap Happy. <laughs> so good. I'm going to re-say the name just in case none of that is keepable. Okay. Welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast. I'm Michelle. I'm Courtney. We totally forgot to introduce ourselves our last oh, two episodes. I realized we that. We did. It's okay. But that's us. <laughs> we just wanted to get into it. We were very excited. Yeah. But we are a weekly podcast. Yep. We focus mainly on true crime, but we do get into some spook spook. That's and my favorite. Yeah, we just like all the the weird. The weird, the kooky. The weird creepy creeps. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that shit out. We're still good at intros. We so suck good. at intros. We're so um, good at them. Awkward. So, yeah. There's um, really not anything to cover off the top. I just want to say thank you for everyone that has listened so far. Absolutely. And given us feedback. Um, we have gotten a couple of ratings, actually, on Apple Podcasts, but no reviews yet. Don't be, like, complete dicks to us, but, you know, we do appreciate <laughs> constructive feedback. We've gotten some really good feedback from others. Um, a lot of and friends and family have given us really good feedback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So leave us a review and just let us know what you think. Or even if you just want to send us a DM or email us and just... Yeah, ping us. Yeah. We'll try to get back to you. We're not, we're not famous, so... Yeah, literally, we've got Jack's deadly shit in our to... inbox right now. <laughs> right? I know, every time I look at the inbox, I'm like, oh. It's <laughs> always like Patreon. <laughs> oh, Patreon makes me so or sad. Instagram. We're not getting any notifications. It's just Patreon being needy. Yes. But we do want to hear people's feedback because we do want to improve. You know, whatever we can, we are trying to improve audio already. <laughs> I think we'll do better today. I My dog got a is quarantined setup. this episode, so he can't trot tink, tink, in the tink, background tink, 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 and whine and flap his flappy ears. Courtney's got her mic under control, so she doesn't sound like she's right up on top of it. Literally. <laughs> Sorry about that. Courtney does not eat her microphone. Don't worry. <laughs> no, actually, her microphone is just... A beast and it ca- it picks up a lot louder than mine does so we actually spent a lot of time checking levels before we started recording so hopefully it'll be a little bit more leveled out this okay. time mm-hmm. we're getting there we're working there. there work with us let yeah. us know what you think yeah let us know so Courtney what I'm, you got I'm gonna take your... us into a, a current event that I'm I'm just I'm already heated, and I haven't even started talking about it yet. <laughs> uh, it's been around. It's been a lot. I keep seeing news articles on it. Oh, absolutely. Even my dad today was, I told him what we were going to talk about, and he goes, I, I just heard something about that the other day. And I was like, I know you have. Trust See, me. Yeah, and it didn't <clears throat> get enough hype when it was actually happening, I no. feel like. Foreshadowing. Continue. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to talk about Ryan Duke's trial. And his conviction. Uh, For anybody who listens to The Amazing Pain Lindsay, I'm going to totally put him (laughs) up there. I love this man. (laughs) 
say hello. I'm totally fine with that. I'll say back and not be a creep. I promise. Yeah. Right. Um, right? <laughs> but anyway, he's got a podcast called up and vanished up and vanished, which was season one was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I feel like anyone that listens to true crime podcasts knows about that. Well, and they honestly, if you like that in serial, I feel like are like the mecca. Oh, of true absolutely. Crime and if you haven't get on it, it's absolutely so get on it. It's one of the best podcasts I think out there. Mm-hmm. Just the way that pain puts it together here on this cold case with him, he comes to find out, he actually, I didn't know this until today, but he dug through the GBI's uh, cold case files to and find- that's how he found it? That's how he found it. Damn. Right? That's so, so The GBI, cool. for anybody who doesn't know, is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and the true crime cold case we're talking about is Tara Grinstead. Um, she was, went missing October 22nd of 2005. Mm-hmm. Um Long story is that Payne Lindsay ended up going down there, down to, how Osilla. do you say, Osilla? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Osilla, Georgia, to dig into this case and ended up reopening this case and getting two people finally arrested, arrested. within six months of the podcast premiering. Which is absolutely insane. Because he got attention back on it. That's all it needed. Mm-hmm. And especially cases that happen, I feel like cases in, like, the 1990s and early 2000s were in such this, like, prime opportunity before technology really started booming, before DNA technology came out and everything. And I feel like any cold cases in that time frame should be examined because they knew that technology was on the precipice of these improvements. So mm-hmm. they saved a lot more stuff than things... Back in, like, the 80s, 70s, all that. 1800s. <laughs> Throwback <laughs> to H.H. H. Holmes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But uh, two people were arrested, Ryan Duke and then Bo Dukes. Not related. Not related. People they, keep interchanging their last names. I know. It's Bo Dukes, Ryan yeah. Alexander Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a lot of people ask if they're related to a white supremacist, which they're not. There's a big white supremacist with the last oh, name Duke down yeah. in uh, the South. I mean, there, neither one of them are, but I, in my South. opinion, I think Bo probably should be. I wouldn't be surprised. You want to know my opinion already? Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Bo Dukes was tried first, and he only got he got convicted of four count or four charges, and he was guilty of all four, which were two counts of making a false statement, one count of hindering apprehension or punishment of a crime, and then one count for concealing the death of another, and he received a 25-year maximum sentence. Because he cut a deal. Because he cut a deal. And I think it's bullshit because I think Bo killed her. Yeah. I don't think Ryan killed her. Both I think, Ryan, think, had, I think Ryan had something to do with it, but I, like, I think he helped get rid of the body but yeah i don't think he, he killed her exactly and i think that's why he was convicted of concealing a body but i think they totally had it backwards they did yeah ryan dukes actually was ju- his trial was just finished what two days ago mm-hmm. and no friday no, it was friday it was finished. friday was yeah. when they did the final convicting and sentencing mm-hmm. and uh, he was found not guilty on all accounts except for count six which like you said was concealing the death of another mm-hmm. he was sentenced to a max of 10 years which he already has served five of those. Yeah, so he's and get time he to... has good behavior, so he's probably going to be out in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like Ryan was still guilty of killing her. I really don't. I don't. Either. I don't. So here's another reason why I don't think that. If you, I don't know if you've seen pictures of them. 
And what they look like. I did back in the... I've seen pictures of Ryan recently. And then so Bo, Ryan back in the is, day, I saw Ryan like when he was scraggly. Right, had really the beard scraggly, and everything. But now he's all clean shaven. shaven. Yeah. But he's only 5'3". And he's a very... You oh. can tell he's very like just unhealthy. Yeah. But then if well, you see Bo like, Dukes... Bo Dukes is 6'5". Oh my gosh. And he's a built-ass no man. Like I watched him walk in the, in the courtroom for mm-hmm. Bo, uh, Ryan's trial because he was supposed to testify, which I'll talk about in a second. He's a big-ass man. Yeah, and I don't know how a five foot three man takes out another five foot three woman because Tara, your grandson, was five three. And the speculation that Tara and Bo may have been dating that is speculation. I want to make that very clear. But if they were, why the hell, like, what the fuck would Ryan have to kill her for? And the only thing, and so much of it is they think that he was coerced into a statement. And I find it convenient that as soon as Ryan gets arrested, Bo goes and turns himself in. Oh, absolutely. And he cuts a deal before they can do anything. And he tries to turn it around all into Ryan. And they're like, yeah, dude, checks out. When Bo is the one with the federal criminal history, Ryan is not. I'm not saying he's innocent all this. No, I'm not saying they he's both either. had something fucking to do with it. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, no one is actually serving a jail sentence Nobody. for murdering her. Nobody. No, and I, you know, I, I, I feel for Payne Lindsay on this because, you know, he got attacked as soon as the trial was done for, you know, his mm-hmm. podcast and how his well, podcast to- was so bad for the trial and how he ruined everything and how nobody got convicted because of him. His comeback was amazing. It's yes. not on Instagram anymore because it was just on yeah, a story, but it. like his comeback was phenomenal. And I agree with him a hundred percent. My, in my opinion, the judicial system let her down yeah. and her family down. I think the state let her family down and her down. I think the GBI let them down. And honestly, you know, the thing is, is that everybody failed in so many ways. And I feel like the prosecuting team didn't even try to convict Ryan. Yeah. They They didn't even shit for a case. And I think whether it be subconsciously or they just threw it. I don't think they did, but maybe they realized, like, really we don't really don't it. have anything but no. circumstantial evidence. And he confessed, so that's what people yeah. are so up in arms about because Ryan did confess, but he was he claimed many times that he was afraid of Bo. There's a lot of people that said he was a loose cannon, and it just it seems like it was coerced, by Bo. Mm-hmm. Like, he was either blackmailed into saying he did more than he did or whatever. And his story changed so many times. Well, I don't know if you've... I, I know you haven't listened to the trial. Mm-hmm. I have listened to the trial, and I listened to the part where he was actually on the stand and got cross-examined. Right. He straight up owned up to everything. He owned up to everything that he said. He owned up to everything that he had done. He straight up told them, like... That he had actually done, or yes, things well, that he said that he, he did. says he's done. Okay. Um, but he did come in and say he lied about what he did. And so he what said, did he say he did then? He said that he helped get rid of the body. And that was it? Yeah. Right. And it could have gone very differently if he didn't testify But the thing the is, is that he originally... T- confessed to it not because he was afraid of him but because he at least this is what he said on the stand he didn't think that Bo was going to come forward and tell the story and he wanted someone to know and I feel for him but at the same time you're a grown-ass man yeah come forward 
There were so many years you also, had the opportunity to come forward and you didn't do it. Yes, and not until things started coming to light. And in Up and Vanished, if anyone hasn't listened, when Payne Lindsay was doing interviews with, I think it was a high school friend of both Bo and Ryan, because mm-hmm. Bo and Ryan were actually like very close friends. They, they lived, lived together. together at the time of Tara's disappearance, murder. Um, but and even after, yeah, and they were interviewing someone that that went to high school with them, I believe, and. Payne was given the name Bo Dukes before he was ever given Ryan's name. And he had actually pu- published the episode first, bleeped out the name because he didn't know if it was substantial, if it was verifiable. So if that's not him doing his due diligence as a journalist, I don't know what is. Yeah, absolutely. And then the county tried to subpoena him to testify in the trial and tried to tell him that he couldn't listen to anything about the trial before and that they were able to call him whenever during the trial to testify and he Which got that thrown out real quick middle finger <laughs> freedom of speech man he's part of the thing. press and they're just mad because he's right mm-hmm. that's the thing he didn't have there was nothing that he did that was hyperbolized mm-hmm. that was just this crazy story to me, he presented facts from both sides. He'll even tell you. He literally just followed the trail. It had exactly. absolutely nothing to do with anything special. Yeah. It had nothing to do with him trying to tweak anything. And he I never... truly followed the trail. Exactly. And it never seemed to me that he was trying to say that Ryan Duke was innocent. No. You I can don't tell think at he... the end now that his opinion wavered, but during the actual gist of the first season, he never... No. It, I never got that impression whatsoever. And he's he's upset with the trial. Yeah. Very upset for good reasons. Prosecution had nothing. Bullshit. They had nothing on him. They it gave was circumstantial. Up. They should have thrown out the case. Mm-hmm. And, and they should have never, later, ever, him with ever let Bo get away with cutting a deal. Because now they can't. They even said, that. they asked at the end if they were going to try to take him back to to court. And they straight up said for murder, no. Yeah, because they probably made that a stipulation of the deal. Probably. He's probably like, I'll tell you this if you don't charge me with murder. Mm. And that was their biggest mistake. I'm sorry, but if someone comes in, and I get it, like if someone turns themselves in, they're probably more inclined to be like, okay, well, this person wants to tell the truth. They want to talk. However, if you've got more people saying, Bo Dukes did this, and then you just so happen to get this odd confession out of Ryan... But then they're like, who was under the influence of oxycodone exactly. at the time that he took from and his mom and was a known alcoholic and a known drug user, right? And that's not a slight on him. That's just no. saying painting the picture of what the situation was. But like. honestly, if you're the GBI and you're like sitting in a interrogation room with someone and you're gonna clearly know that they're high, yeah, exactly. Especially off of something like oxycodone, like mm-hmm. there's no way in hell those guys did not know that he was. On exactly. something. Exactly. And that you're sitting there going, I'm going to do a confession. Mm-hmm. For real? Like, you you botched the case. Yeah, Payne didn't really botch did. the case. You botched the they case. They shot themselves in the foot cutting a deal with Bo. And I'm not That's saying that just because I love me some Payne Lindsay. I'm <laughs> saying that because it's the truth. Yeah. Courtney and I have been talking about this a lot since the verdict came in. <laughs> I ran over to your desk to show you the verdict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just... I'm not surprised at all. I wasn't surprised in the slightest. And I don't think that Ryan did it. I think, yes, he helped conceal it. Oh, I think he did. I think he helped conceal it, but I don't think he killed her. I I think Bo did. I absolutely think he killed her. And they 
But they say that Bo, when he was a student of hers, because mm-hmm. he was a student yeah, of hers, um, he was pretty infatuated with her. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of... She's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures. She's I would highly recommend looking her up. Beautiful. She's stunning. Mm-hmm. And just an overall Good amazing person. person from all accounts. She but, deserved yeah. justice, and she did she not get, get it. what Neither she did her family. Yeah. I just hope they can find some peace, some solace. Because at least I'm trying to look at the bright side that Bo is still getting more time than Ryan. Absolutely. But he's, hopefully he's not on good behavior. Exactly. He'll really. so Maybe he'll he screw up and just land in jail for the rest of his life. That'd be great. Fingers crossed. That was a very long weekly yep. update. But Sorry. that's okay. We're I'm very passionate about this case, clearly. <laughs> I'm also passionate about Payne Lindsay, so... <laughs> I need to have, like, a quota of how many times Courtney can talk about Payne Lindsay in one week. (laughs) I love him. He's just so good at what he does, and he's attractive. He is very good at what he does. He was a um, filmmaker Mm -hmm. before he started Up and Vanished, and I think that comes out in the production of the show. Yes. I'll end on this. I thought it was really funny. Funny, but not funny, but Payne did put at the very end of his feelings about the trial he said never go missing if you live in georgia yes he said that many times like don't go missing in georgia and he lives there yeah all right girlfriend what are we what are we talking about today oh boy i'm like <laughs> yeah you're delaying rough. it <laughs> i am <sighs> i kept putting off researching this i know this is crazy because people are like why the hell did you decide on this topic if you don't want to talk about it it's because i feel like Israel Keys is who I'm covering. Anyone that hasn't listened to our other episodes, because we have been saying what we're going to cover. We're not going to do that in the future, but we did just kind of want to do that initially. But he, just the way <laughs> that he operated. Sorry, that was my throat. <laughs> Courtney's throat made a weird growling noise. <laughs> <laughs> now she's muttly laughing. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so... Israel Keys, the way that he operated and the things he did and didn't do, I feel like make him very different. Because I think that a lot of people tend to just box serial killers into one kind of, what am I trying to say? Put them into one category. But so many of them have such varying pathologies, such different, you know, modus operandi, all of that. And... To him, I hate how fascinated I am by him because I'm not idolizing him. And that's what it seems like. But I think that's the problem that I, at least you and I, I don't know if all podcasters or people with true crime are like this, but you have this weird sense of fascination. Yes. That you just want to know why does your brain tick like exactly. that? Exactly. What the fuck makes you tick, man? Because my brain don't tick like that. I mean, exactly. I have ADD out the door, but I don't tick like that. Exactly. Sometimes, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm like, human rights out the window. If it were like a mandate for killers to donate their brain to science. I think they (laughs) should. After they died. Yes, because I feel like that would... Ted Bundy's brain is in a Tupperware can. Yes, but I think it would just lend so much into the research, into psychopathy, into sociopathy, in just the pathology of killers in general. Because obviously, they tick very differently than the rest of us. 
and there's something in their brain that's telling them to do these things. So with Or him, it's completely shut off and they don't even Yeah, it could be that there's register a part of their that brain. Yeah. It could just be a part of their brain that doesn't work the same. And I know there are studies on this, but I'm just saying like brain damage. They could, yeah, they could actually do that because that is a common theme with yeah. killers. Like some had a lot had head, head injuries, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that about Israel Keys anywhere. But Oh, I was hoping we would have a connector there. No, surprisingly. I unfortunately think a lot of it was just how he grew up, and I hate that. I hate that being, it's not an excuse at all. But no, he but just leaned into his nature circumstances. Nature versus nurture does play a role. Mm-hmm. He leaned in <laughs> to the weirdness. Wolf. So, I unfortunately have to talk about him. I, again, I'm not idolizing him, but just have to talk about him to get to the why. So, he was born January 7th, 1978 in Richmond, Utah. He was the second of ten children in his family. His parents were Heidi and John Keyes. They both fucking suck. Are they Mormon? Yes. They started Mormon, but they did not. They actually left the LDS church mm. earlier on in Israel's That's life. That's pretty crazy. They don't usually leave the church. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Oh, it gets better. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they both fucking suck. His parents didn't believe in public education or modern medicine. It's kind of common. Yeah. Yeah. I just put in my notes, do with that what you will. <laughs> um, like we said, he grew up in Mormon family initially. Um, his parents actually left the Church of Latter-day Saints in Key's early childhood and became fundamentalist Christians, and they joined a white supremacist church. Blech. Right. They fucking suck. That's what I have to say. Like Sorry I said. if I just grossed everybody out with that noise, but <laughs> for real, that's how I felt. Yeah. They are the worst. Um, he ended up having a falling out with his dad. I didn't really care to look into it. I don't really give a shit. Um, but he stayed close with his mom. So I don't know if either his mom was the same brand of sick that he was, or if she just provided some normalcy in his life. I don't know. Nor do I care. It's just background information. (laughs) Um, his family moved to Colville, I believe is how you say it, Washington, when he was a toddler from Utah. Um, Biography.com surprisingly had really the best information about him. And I had so many feelings about him being on biography.com. Because <laughs> you usually associate that with, like, Wikipedia. important people. No, I, like, I would associate, like, Wikipedia with finding something on him, not yeah. biography. Exactly. Because biography.com, I associate that with important people that made a good difference in history or did notable things in a good way. Mm. And weren't disgusting humans. So, I don't know. But they had the best information on it. Um, But it says that they, quote, lived on isolated existence. Lived in isolated existence. I apologize. In the woods where Keys grew up without heat or electricity. So, very minimalist. Kind of off the grid lifestyle. You know. So, they grew up in an interesting circumstance in the woods. I feel like it's just trying to make up an excuse as to why. He was so fucked up, but I feel like that happens. People try to find a reason for it. Um, if anything, I feel like it was just foreshadowing into how he was so adept at flying under the radar and hiding his kill kits, which I'll talk about, but that is a very important part of what he did. Um, it's said that Keys would break into homes, steal weapons, hunt, and torture animals in his childhood 
Ding, ding, ding. That tends to be also another common thing with exactly. serial killers. I will take signs of a psychopath for $10. Yeah, animal killings. Yes, that is a very age. common pathology. So he has that. I didn't see anything about head trauma, but torturing of animals. Mm. He was just... <laughs> yeah, he just he just wanted to harm anything with a pulse, I think is how he phrased it to authorities. Because he was very candid about things. He held stuff close to the vest, but he was candid about why he did the things that he did. Um, and I, you know, just typical psychopath behavior. Apropos. <laughs> um, he served in the U.S. Army from 1998 to 2000. He was stationed in Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Lewis, Washington, and also in Egypt, which is interesting. I don't feel like I hear people being stationed in Egypt that much. Um, he got a DUI while he was in the Army. Surprise, surprise. Will be... Um, he was honorably discharged in 2001. For what? I don't know. I couldn't find it. Um, after he was discharged, he lived on the Maka Reservation. Um, I believe it was in Washington. I apologize if it was not. I forgot to get the exact state of that. Uh, but it was with the mother of his daughter, who was born in 2001, I believe. I'm not going to dive a lot into her because she didn't choose to be his daughter. So No, and she doesn't I'm need to gonna... really be brought into exactly. shit. Exactly, exactly. Um, he started a construction business after leaving the army in Alaska and he called it keys construction. What a narcissist, but he just did general like handiwork, construction work, contracting, stuff like that. Norm. Didn't sound like it was doing great. So whatever. (laughs) Um, so now I'm going to kind of get into his pathology, his MO, what made him tick. So, in terms of his killings, he's been described as the most meticulous serial killer of the 21st century by author and journalist Maureen Callahan. She wrote a book called American Predator. That actually is on my list of things to read because it's... I actually have it on hold for audiobook right now. See, I tried to get it, too, from the library, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get it. So, I started reading the first chapter on Google Books. It would let you get a little bit of it. It seems like a really good book. He was an opportunist with his killings. He didn't have any specific kind of person he waited for people to come to him essentially to kill them i'm i'm learning so much i know i've listened to this story a few times i mean i just told you i heard it on Mm -hmm. uh murder in america but yep there's stuff i'm learning right now that i didn't know exactly and this is what's so fascinating about him is because he just operates on a different level from the heavy hitters that we're used to hearing about, you know? And he wasn't because he flew under the radar for so long and they only found out about shit a fraction of what he did after he was arrested for one crime. So, Mm. it's crazy. Eight two all over again. Yeah. But he would target people that just happened to cross paths with him. Like I said, he didn't have a profile of victim that anyone's able to tell. Like, he didn't have you know, a specific kind of person, anything like that. Um, But he also loved to be secretive about the shit that he did. So what do we actually know? But he would mainly target people in parks, campgrounds, etc. So that's why I said, you know, with his upbringing, it seems like that just enabled, like, the survivalist aspect of him. And I think that's what made him, unfortunately, so good at what he did. But he... um, just would prefer places where no one else was around, he told police officers. And I put in my notes, no shit, dude. <laughs> He's, like, acting like, I just... Like, places where no one was around. Because you're in a... 
murder someone where there's a lot of witnesses. Right. Well, not only that, but, like, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I love camping, but that's always one of my biggest fears. Fuck no. As soon as I started listening to anything true crime, I was like, nope, never going camping. Never. I used to go camping in, like, big groups of friends, and, like, yeah. I would listen to true crime podcasts while I was camping, which was a bad idea. <laughs> um, Out in the woods. So, so stupid. Vulnerable. So stupid. I would stay awake until the sun came up, and then I would sleep for, like, a couple hours, because <laughs> I would just be so paranoid <laughs> at everything. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, people like that, that will just hunt people in the woods. That's what I'm saying. People just walk up to your tent, and they're like, haha, guess what? Nobody's yeah. here. It's like, what is that book called? The dude that takes all these people onto this island and hunts them. Oh. The most dangerous game. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yes. I've heard it. I haven't listened or read it, but I've heard about yeah. it. Yeah, but that's what Israel Keys reminds me of, is someone that's hunting humans. It's like, seriously, mm. what it seems like for him. Gross. Yikes. But he traveled around the country to kill people, which was also crazy. I said, because a bitch is determined. Clearly. <laughs> I said, I my nose. <laughs> but he put together and hid kill kits or caches, and he put them in various locations around the country. He planned everything down to the minute detail, and he would plan trips around the country just to hide the kits. Like, he would plan a specific trip to go hide these caches or these kits, and then he would find an opportunity to kill someone and be like, oh, I buried that kit. And he would plan it around that. But other than that, it was completely fucking random. I wish you could see the look <laughs> on my see face. face. That's literally, this is exactly what fascinates me about him. It's crazy. Did he, out of sheer curiosity with these kids, so he's got them hidden. You said his mm -hmm. attacks were random. So did he just like randomly drive to where one of those kids were and then would just find somebody and be like, yeah, I'm yeah that's more or less. I mean, of what we know, that's the problem is because authorities know so little of what he actually did because his their his window of killing time that they know of that they've been able to actually say this is what he gave us is 16 years. Jeez, that's a long ass time, yeah, though. Fuck. Exactly. And yeah, he would bury them and he would remember where these were buried. I don't know how he was keeping track of them or I if wonder he, if he has photographic memory. I, I think he does. Because I know a lot of people with photographic memory mm -hmm. and that's one of their like keys. Yes. They can literally minutely tell you yes. to the detail. I think he does as well. And I think he's got, it's like we talked about the H.H. Holmes. It's like he's got this level of genius. Mm -hmm. But it, not the same. He if he, like, you, but again, I'll bet you if he utilized it in a good way, mm -hmm. he probably would have been yeah. famous again. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And in these kits or these caches, he had guns and ammunition, cash, various tools, and, quote, chemicals for the destruction of bodies. So acid and lime. Yeah. Okay. What the H. fuck? H.H. Holmes all right. over again. And obviously, Sorry. that isn't premeditation. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So, whenever he felt like killing someone, he would dig up one of the kids. Did you just say when he felt like yeah, killing Yeah, that was literally someone? what he did. Whenever he felt like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that Sorry. was exactly, like, what he told. I don't remember what he said verbatim, but that is what he told authorities. Okay. Yeah, whenever he felt like it, okay, he would dig up one of these kids, and like I said, he remembered where all of them were in these obscure locations. So there were reports that he was actually looking into gastric band surgery. He got fitted for a gastric band. And the assumption, this was the author that wrote that book, um, the assumption was that he, so he wouldn't get hungry as often. So that he could just 
go about, do his killing sprees, whatever the fuck he wanted to do. So to me, it seemed like he was preparing to really go on sprees and become so prolific because there are so many indications that he was constantly working to better his motives, his tactics. How on earth was he going to find a doctor? It was in Mexico. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, because he's skinny. He is. He's very skinny. Yeah. I just looked up a picture of him to see what I was looking at. He's very lean. Um, And he also may have been trying to change his fingerprints and was actually trying to remove body hair to cut down the chance of leaving evidence behind. So he... Premeditated all day. Exactly. And he was in it for the long game. Like, he was planning life-sustaining alterations so he could continue doing this. Mm. It's crazy, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, that's nuts. I know. Um, like, you can't even comprehend how in the hell someone can be in that headspace and not just, like, happening a few times. Like, that is literally, like, he wanted to be a career serial killer. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I looked up the, a map of, like, the stuff that you were talking about where his, like, mm-hmm. kill kits are and yes. everything. That That's premeditated precision. I mean, he's he's even got one in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I know. He wanted something all over the place, and it's places oh that he God. frequently traveled anyway. But, yeah, and he didn't go about anything haphazardly until later, which wow. I don't want to foreshadow, but... Everything else that he did was very planned. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, jump ahead on you. No, that's totally fine. Fascinating. There is kind of a lot of flip-flopping that I'm going to do anyway, just kind of how it shakes down. But he did things, I don't want to bury lead on one of the cases, but he would, what he would do is he would plan a trip somewhere, then rent a car, go drive somewhere else to complete a kill. And then he would do all these things so that his movements couldn't be tracked. And he would frequently take the battery out of his cell phone. He would, you know, remove plates from the cars. With the rental cars, I don't think he really cared. It didn't seem like, but his actual car, he would remove the plates if he was driving. So he did everything that he could to stay undetected. And he would pay for things with cash when he was traveling. So that way he didn't have paper trail of card or anything like that. And it's like simple shit. But again, takes a sick fuck to think about stuff like this. True. Because it's like none of the rest of us would go about life like that. So in terms of his MO, his modus operandi, he always killed far from home, never in the same place twice, and his meticulous planning contributed to how long he was able to do this without being detected. Because I don't even think he was on police radar at all until he was arrested. From what I found, he was not on their radar at all. That's insane. Yeah. So, but again, it's because he was so random. Like, and he didn't have a specific kind of person that he went after. It was all opportunity. So there was nothing. They couldn't, I would wonder, the FBI did get involved, but I don't think they ever made a profile on him or anything. They should. But, like... If they could never connect these killings. I think they tried to after, I should say, I should have looked into that further, but I, I think they did after the fact. But usually when they build a profile, it's because they're linking crimes together. Mm-hmm. And they never did that with him. He told them about the other crimes. They never knew. It's crazy. <laughs> 
But he admired Ted Bundy, of course. Mm. He studied his MO, his habits to improve himself as a killer. Literally what he said. And doesn't surprise me. A lot of serial killers have said that. Exactly. Exactly. But that's really, he doesn't have any similarities with Ted Bundy otherwise, because Ted Bundy obviously had a very distinct victim profile. Yeah. Very specific. So now I want to talk about his victims. I do want to get into them as much as I can because they are people. Yeah. And they have names. They have lives that he ruined. Unfortunately, there's not a ton on them outside of what happened. The first victims of his that are named by him, that they know for certain that he committed these crimes, were Bill and Lorraine Courier. They lived in Essex, Vermont. Um, I got most of the information from their, um, from this murder. Sorry. It's so sad. I'm like having trouble forming words. This one's rough. From OregonLive.com. So it was a great source for their information. Keyes claims that he killed them in June of 2011. Unfortunately, we don't know for sure. They were never recovered. So they know that they went missing. They know that they were never found again. So they took him at his word on this, essentially. Um, he picked them because they didn't have children or a dog. And their house had an attached garage. He said that the type of house that they lived in indicated where the master bedroom would be located in the house. So that's another reason why he picked it. Because always planning, you know. That was really his only profile for his victims. And he said that he would never kill someone with children or a dog. And I said, because that made him better, right? I think it made him think he was better. Exactly. Exactly. I think in his brain, he's like, well, I would never kill someone with a child or a dog. So at least I have a line. Because that makes it better. Exactly. Bullshit. So, this is rough. So, I just want to say, the rest of it's going to be rough for a while. I'm going to try to, like, not get too in-depth with what actually, the goriness of what occurred. But it's, it's a rough one. So, he first cut the phone line outside of the house to see if an alarm would trigger He broke into the house by removing a fan that was installed in a window in the garage. And then from there, there was a window that led into the house from the garage. He found a crowbar in the garage, broke the window with that. So. Never leave fans. Yes. In at least your first story. Exactly. If it is ground level, don't don't do do it. it. But they also live in fucking Essex, Vermont, man. Like, it's a safe place. I no, guarantee it's probably in this town. Let's be real. No, exactly. No, I agree. In our minds, in our criminal, criminal true crime minds, yes, no, I don't safe. feel like anywhere is safe. But I would venture a guess that it's probably one of those places that people leave their doors unlocked and feel totally fine about it. Absolutely. I mean, the town yeah. that I went to school in was very similar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But he got into the house and he subdued them. He told authorities in a blitz style attack. Fuck What's you. What's a blitz style attack? Who fucking knows? Just he like just karate chopping, right? Like, like he's just is getting mean? in there fast, fast, moving quickly. Yeah. Okay. Fucker. Took him approximately six seconds to get from the door to the to where they were located at in the home. So very quickly he moved from breaking the door to getting in there. He wore a headlamp so he could see in the dark going through the house. So again, he fucking knew he was gonna do this. 
Well, and not only that, but a headlamp, if you've ever had a headlamp in your face, you can't see their face. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And it was completely dark in the house otherwise. But he didn't know these people whatsoever, but knew that he was going to kill them. Like, targeted their house for no other reason other than they had an attached garage. He didn't see kids. He didn't see a dog. That was his only qualifying criteria. Sick. Exactly. So he, once he got to them, he tied them each with zip ties and then he took them to an abandoned farmhouse that he had also scouted out before doing this. So he knew where he was going to take them. I always wonder how they convince people to do stuff like that. You know, it's the same with, it's not the BTK killer, is it? The one who used to put plates on the guy's back. And oh, then that's he Golden went, State Killer, I'm pretty is sure. Is that the Golden that's State GFK. Killer? Yeah. You know, I always wonder how they get the couple to do what they want them to do. But they just it's pretty them. easy by threatening, I'm yeah. sure. But it yeah. always just makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, and with GSK, what he would do is do that with the plates, and he would make it so that the man would feel like the hero. Right. By not... Moving. Exactly. To protect their wife, Even though that they were getting sexually assaulted in the next room. Exactly. It's all a fucking mind game. It's a head game. game. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, no one could talk to Bill and Lorraine about this to find out what actually happened. And Israel Keys loves playing the fucking game of him having all the information, and he just gives nuggets. sick person. He's disgusting. So once he, once they got to the abandoned farmhouse, he tied Bill to a stool in the basement of the house and he had left Lorraine in the car while he was tying Bill up and she managed to escape at one point. Unfortunately, he caught her very quickly and he subdued her and he tackled her to the ground and got her into the farmhouse. Ladies, learn how to hotwire a car. Seriously. And gentlemen. Yeah, I think she just got out because the keys were still in the car, and she just got out that way, I'm pretty sure, is how it happened. How did driven? But that's the thing is, like, being in that situation, you don't know what your mind is going to think of in that moment. Well, and I feel like, in my personal opinion, I would have probably stayed, too, and tried to get my husband back. Yeah, exactly. And she probably wouldn't have had time to hotwire it anyway, because it sounds like it's very quick that he did it. But... He unfortunately killed Bill very quickly by shooting him. He had a silencer on the gun. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So I'm going to forewarn that I say rape because I have such a problem with people saying sexual assault when a victim was raped. Say what the fuck it was. That's fair. Yeah. So trigger warning. I should have led with that. Um, But then he proceeded to rape Lorraine and he later murdered her by strangulation. So, in their final minutes, and this is according to Keyes, unfortunately, because it's only his narrative, but in their final minutes, it said that they put up a really strong fight and they showed their unwavering love for one another. I'm getting lump in my throat. <laughs> um, they showed that in their final minutes, and in something like that, that's all you can do. And when you're with someone that you love... Especially and, if you know it's your last few exactly. minutes. And he didn't even give them the common courtesy to die together. And that gets me a lot with this case. Because he left Bill in the basement by himself. And from what it sounds like, he killed Lorraine upstairs. And he couldn't even fucking let them be together. I'll play devil's advocate on this. Seeing... 
the other seeing the other mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah. Uh, if that was me, I probably would have been more devastated seeing my husband's dead body, right, and then being murdered next to him. Yeah, personally, that that's just I me. do get that, and I see that side of it as well. I think just what I jump to is just them being able to be together in their passing moments. But I also get what you're saying because it's true. You know, you don't want to see that. No. And it's like, what the fuck is a better situation in that? You there know? isn't. Yeah. <sighs> so after that, he put their bodies in trash bags and he buried them in the basement of the farmhouse and the house was later demolished. So their remains were never recovered. How do they not know where that house is, even if it's demolished? I had heard something in another thing that was covered on it that the house had been burned. I don't know, because when I was researching for the specific purpose, it just said demolished, but I had heard that it had been burned. Weird. Yeah. And I'd also heard something that their remains had been found, but again, I think a lot of it's hearsay, you know? And I think it could have been that he said this... Law enforcement said this. I don't know. But what I saw from reputable sources was that their remains hadn't been recovered. Mm, Sad. He threw the gun that he used along with the weapon that he found. I'm assuming it was the crowbar that he used to break the window into the house that he found in the garage. But he threw them in a reservoir somewhere outside of Parrishville, New York. The FBI dive teams were able to recover both of those, though. Okay. Yeah. So that gives... Woo, woo. You know, some substantiality to what he said. Um, he uh, he had taken their car as well. He abandoned it in a parking lot elsewhere. And then he proceeded, proceeded to drive his rental car back to Maine. He flew in from Chicago for this kill trip, then drove to Vermont. Ew. Because harder to track. And he went back to their house later. I'm not sure when later. I don't think he gave them that detail. I don't know why he went back, but when he did go back, there was police tape around the house. So it was known. I'm, I believe that someone in their family had reported them missing. Mm. So, yeah. He um, told authorities after he was arrested, which he did not get arrested because of this, um, but he, he told them that he would stop cooperating with them if they tied him publicly to that case. Because he was tracking the case in the, new, in the newspapers and stuff. Fuck you. Seriously. And that's exactly it. Is he was in such control the entire fucking time. Until the very end he was in control. Well, yeah. Because he's the one with all the information. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He covered his tracks pretty well, sadly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And I am going to go into his other victims. I'm going to end with the one that got him arrested. But... Some of his other victims, unfortunately, a lot of them are unknown. No less important in this. It's just how it shook down with him. But he said that he, again, this is what he said. It's not substantiated in a lot of cases. But he said that he kidnapped a teenage girl either in 1997 or 1998. And he raped her, of course, because he's a piece of shit. He said he planned on killing her, but she convinced him to let her go. But he said that after that, he wasn't going to let anyone else get away. That was the first and only person that he let get away. And I bet you that poor girl is not ever going to come forward. Yeah. Even if he's dead, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you she's not. Yeah. There are some ideas of who it was, but they haven't been able to definitively prove it. 
Oh. Yeah. But he hinted at killing 11 people total. Okay. While he's in jail, he used his own blood to draw 12 skulls. And the thought is that the 12th represented himself because he did commit suicide in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Which just fucking gets my goat, man. He was, they were interrogating him incessantly, really, uh, trying to get as much information as possible out of him before his trial. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit later because it ties into the other thing. But when he committed suicide, they thought that the 12th skull represented himself. So, Hmm. I don't fucking know. He claims he killed four people in Washington State. Um, also claims that he killed a couple between 2001 and 2005. That's a big-ass gap. Exactly. You can't even be bothered to remember who you murdered. You can be detailed as fuck on everything else, exactly. but you can't come out and be like, this like, is the day. I don't know. I can't remember. It's a four-year span, maybe. And then he claims he killed two other victims. They were separate from one another, but he lumped them together between 2005 and 2006. Again, either he doesn't want to give many details or he just doesn't give a shit enough to remember i don't know my guess is that he's just holding on to information because he can yeah but he also said that he killed someone on the east coast in 2009 he just says the east coast is where he killed them but left the body in new york state the fbi actually believes that they know who the victim was it was a woman by the name of deborah feldman She went missing from New Jersey. She went missing in April of 2009. She's still categorized as missing if you Google her. Um, But they believe that that was who he killed. Because she's never been found at all. And it matches the time frame. You know, everything else. There's also speculation that he may have been linked to the disappearance of a girl named Julie Harris... She went missing from Colville, which if you remember, that's where his family moved in Washington when he was younger. Um, She disappeared in 1996. She had prosthetic feet, and they were found a month after she went missing. And then her remains were found in 1997. He denied involvement, but he was in the area at that time. So that's why they think that he did it. Because it makes sense, and they didn't know of any other six sociopaths in Colville at the time. Um, other possible victims include 56-year-old Mary Cooper and her daughter, Susanna Stodden, who was 27. They were shot in 2006 while hiking in Washington State. Mm. So that's just kind of guess based on where he prefers to find his victims and everything. Um, even though 11 victims are speculated, there's only three that are actually identified as being caused by him. But while he was in custody, he said, quote, I've known since I was 14 that there were things that dot 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 that I thought were normal and that were OK, that nobody else seemed to think were normal and OK. So yeah, he knew he was fucked help. up. Yeah, he majorly needed help. But so many accounts of him, people thought he was just normal. Like there wasn't anyone that thought that he was crazy. Yeah, but also he's super isolated. So who's mm-hmm. who's able oh, to say that he had that a girlfriend crazy. that he lived with and his daughter? They had no idea. I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. You said you tend to see things in people you're dating. I mean, we've all done it where yeah. you just say, you just "Oh, you know, it's fine. It's whatever." Mm-hmm. 
We're just going to let it slide. But so I guarantee you she probably and, did it. Yeah, but he owned a business and his customers never thought anything oh, was sure weird. Oh, sure he did. I mean, uh, all I think serial just, killers are like that. Yeah. I mean, BTK is a perfect example, exactly. you know? Yep. He moved on, worked in the church, had yep. kids, raised the kids. Yeah, and I think with Israel Keys, he was just very adept at having his public face. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously very different from who he truly was. Um, he said that he ultimately wanted to leave Alaska and travel as a working contractor. He wanted to go to areas that had been ravaged by storms, and he wanted to build a house where he could imprison victims. That's disgusting. Right? And see, that exactly is like, he was planning for the future. He was planning to up his game to be a career serial killer. With all these people, I always just want to be like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Exactly. Where in your mind does that come across as okay and normal? Yeah. And that's what's so crazy is you are obviously getting, I know there's some people that it's for the thrill. It's just for the rush that they get. But for him, it seemed like a fulfillment. He was getting a fulfillment out of committing these murders. And he felt validated by being a certain kind of killer. I bet you his... Girlfriend is super happy that she made it. Yeah. Well, he was very adamant that he didn't want his daughter being brought up at all. He didn't want his girlfriend being brought up. That's part of the reason why he committed suicide. Because he said, I don't want her to be defined by the things that I've done. She's going to be defined by the things that you've done regardless. I don't know, though. I can't really find anything about her. Well, no, I know that. And she probably doesn't have the same last name. Yeah, I don't think There's she There's probably does. a lot of things that have both of them in hiding. Mm-hmm. But regardless, they have to live with this for the rest of their lives. Exactly, because they still know. It doesn't matter what other yeah. people know. It's They have to internally understand this, process this, and deal mm-hmm. with it for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Exactly. She's affected by it anyway. Oh, absolutely. He just didn't want people to know. Oh, my God. You're such a fucking martyr, dude. He's an idiot. Exactly. But he, like I said, he loved that he held all those over the investigators' heads. He wanted to have control all the time. And he told law enforcement that he wanted to be executed quickly. Oh, yeah. Didn't he want, like, firing squad or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think that's what he said. I feel like that's what he... And that's a really strange uh, execution choice. Yeah, exactly. And you don't get a choice in your execution. Exactly. So. And he said that he didn't want to just rot behind bars. He just had all these stipulations. You should have rotted behind exactly. bars, you piece of shit. Yeah, I'm like, don't be a heinous sociopath. You don't get to dictate what happens, but he fucking did. He had the last say. Ugh. But he gave law enforcement the details about Bill and Lorraine Courier's death as a bargaining chip. I don't know what the fuck he bargained for, but he used it in his favor. So I don't know, because I don't know how you'd be like, if I tell you this, I want you to execute me. I have no idea. No Mm -hmm. idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to kind of flip-flop a little bit because I wanted to leave this case for last because this is actually the case that resulted in his well, demise. This is probably the most gruesome yeah. case, too. He was sloppy with this one, though. He's stupid. Yeah, exactly. Which Very I'm glad stupid. he was stupid, because he got caught. Mm-hmm. So his final victim was an 18-year-old girl named Samantha Koenig. Sweet, beautiful angel. Yeah. With this case, he actually broke a lot of his own rules. So she was abducted on February 1st, 2012, 
She was working at a coffee kiosk called Common Ground. Um, it was in Anchorage, Alaska. He had actually scouted out a few different coffee kiosks, little, you know, storage chains. Because it's like, it's one of those just like kind of small standalone buildings. It's kind of one of those small little kiosk type places. He chose this one because it was more isolated. That's so, fair. Yeah. So he targeted it. Not that it's fair that he did it, but like I makes sense why he yeah. did it. Wow, sick fuck. Um, so he came up to the kiosk. He's wearing a ski mask, but he ordered a coffee. It was there was a lot of snow on the ground, so she could have just been like, this "Well, is I feel like in Alaska, it's pretty common for people to wear ski masks yeah. because of the weather, and they're usually mm-hmm. on open vehicles like snowmobiles and yeah. stuff. So that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, and it was a walk up kiosk, right? So he, yeah, you had to go outside to get your coffee. So, yeah, he came up to the kiosk wearing a ski mask. He ordered a coffee. Uh, Samantha had handed him the coffee after she made it, and at that point he pulled out his gun and demanded money from her. She was complying. I think she had, like, backed up at one point because I saw some video of him, but he barged his way into the kiosk. Like, he climbed over the counter, got into the kiosk, and then he tied her up with zip ties. So that's also a common theme with him, of the ones that we know about at least. Um, he demanded that she take him to her car, but she didn't have a car with her. So he had to walk her to where he parked his truck. It sounds like he parked his truck. There was a road and then they had crossed from like an IHOP and I think another store. So he had parked a good ways away. Mm. So while they were walking, she managed to break away somehow. Um, but he quickly caught up with her. He tackled her and then he... When he got her up, he put his gun to her side because obviously they're out in public. He's trying not to make a scene. But he told her that he had quiet ammunition in his gun and he'd kill her if she didn't. I feel like that's a scene. How did nobody see that? I don't think anyone was that. around. It was pretty late. It was right before the coffee kiosk was going to close. So it, oh, And it was dark outside. Okay, that's fair. I thought this was broad daylight. And I was like, how did nobody see that? Right. I mean, okay. it's also Alaska. They True. flip flopped. It's a little more... Yeah. But from what I remember, it was nighttime. Okay. It was dark outside either way. So, they were walking to his car. Um, he, like I said, he had put his gun to her side, said he had quiet ammunition, and if, he, and if she didn't cooperate, he was going to kill her. So, they walked past a few buildings. They got to where his truck was parked, and he had already prepped his truck for the abduction. So, he had removed the license plates on it. There was, I think, like a toolbox in the bed of the truck. One of the ones that, like, goes over the bed of it mm-hmm. right next to the cab. He took that out. And, yeah, so he was prepped for it. He told Keenig that he was going to ask for ransom from her parents. She explained her parents did not have a lot of money. He wasn't going to be able to get a lot. And he told her they'll raise funds publicly once they find out that you're missing. Wow. Have an ego much? Exactly. Exactly. And that just says he knows that she's a loved person, that she has yeah, a family. She's super cared about. He didn't know her. He didn't scout her out before. Again, it was purely circumstantial, but he used that against her. Ew. Yeah. He also told her that if she cooperated, that he would return her to her family unharmed. He had absolutely no intention of returning her to her family alive. So he just tried to get her trust. I just want to know how in his mind this made any sense from the fact if he has a daughter... Exactly. You have a daughter. Would you ever want someone to do this to her? Exactly. I guarantee you, you did it because you killed yourself because you didn't want your daughter brought into the media. Yep. So why is it okay for you to take somebody else's daughter? Exactly. Exactly. And 
his daughter, I think, was born in 2001. So she was, you know, 11, what, 11 years old at the time. Oh, I did math. You did do math. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> but really, aside from scouting out the location, he did not go about this one the same way as his other ones. Like I said, he was sloppy. she's, what, Western. 16, you said? She's 18. 18? Mm-hmm. His daughter's not that much younger. Exactly. That's sad. Exactly. That's... So it's only anyone that's directly related with him or associated with him that he cares about. I... Wow. Sorry. I didn't mean to pull it off on a tangent. No, I'm totally fine. That's mind-boggling to me. It is. It absolutely is. And the fact that he tried to fool her... I mean, obviously what killer is going to be like, I'm being honest with you. They're all going to fucking lie, but... Just trying to say, oh, all I want is money. I'll, I'll make sure you're returned safe. But once they got in his truck, they were driving, and he realized that she didn't have her phone with her, and he needed that as part of the plan because he was going to use her phone to text people. So they had to go back and get it. Nothing happened while they were going back, though. Um, but they drove somewhere else not too far away from the coffee shop, but he took her phone and he sent two text messages. He sent one to her boyfriend and then one to the owner of the coffee shop. And he pretty much just said he obviously was feigning being her and said, you know, I just had a bad day. I need to get out of town and just was trying to give a reason as to why she would be unaccounted for for a while. Which... Because that works. Exactly. And it sounds like that was not like her at all. No. So after he did that, he removed the battery from her phone. So it couldn't be tracked. I'm so happy you can't do that nowadays. I know, right? Seriously. He took her back to his house, left her in a shed that was in his front yard. And His front yard? Yeah. I thought it was his backyard, but then I was just reading an article... And it was a reputable source that said it was his front yard. It was, Again, like, out front of his how house. How does nobody see this? It gets better. Not better, but you know what it I mean. It escalates. Yes. So he said that he wanted her ATM card and her pin. She said that her and her boyfriend shared a joint bank account. Her card was in his truck. So she told him where the house was, where the truck was, where he could find it. Because, again, in her mind, she's like... He said he'll, you know, return me unharmed if I comply. And so what he did is he left her tied up in the shed, turned up a radio so it was blaring, and then he told her that he had a police tracker so he would know if she called the cops or screamed for the neighbors. So he turned up the radio so no one could hear her. This must have been a common fucking thing for him, or he had so much space between him and neighbors. I don't really know Mm. what that situation was, but it seems like that would be a normal fucking occurrence for him. So he went to go get the card and everything. He, if I, I remember hearing that the boyfriend came out at one point and he got him deterred somehow. I didn't come across it again in this and I wish I had, but I remember hearing that. And I don't remember if he was either like honest with him or somehow, but he got him to go away. Hmm. So I don't know. But then he went back to his house. He proceeded to rape her. And he asphyxiated her, and she died. And it was within, I'm pretty sure it was within, like, eight hours of him abducting her that he did this. I hate hearing asphyxiation because, one, if you're doing it with your hands, you have to look at them in the eyes. And, two, you do not die quick. No. That they said like even slower than strangulation. Yeah, it's, like, four minutes, Mm -hmm. I think, is, like, the common 
yes. time it takes to kill someone. And it's such a personal way of doing Ugh. that. And it seems, because he did the same thing with Lorraine. Right. It's, it's an M.O. for yeah, sure. I think he, he gets enjoyment Bill out of it. Courier. With women. Mm-hmm. So the worst part of all of this is that he and his family left for a cruise the next day, February 2nd. Because they already had plans. He was going about his normal shit. And he left her in that shed. It was freezing cold outside, so it preserved her body. And he was gone until February 17th. So she was in there, her body, just in there, in that shed. I hope she haunted his ass Yeah. after that. I hope she haunted his fucking nightmares every day until his miserable life ended. It's disgusting. And the fact that he was telling her that he would return her to her family unharmed if she cooperated. I'm getting choked up. <clears throat> um, so after he returned from his cruise, like I said, he had already killed her, killed her, but he wanted to try to get ransom money. This is terrible. So I am just warning you all now. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear the gruesome details. Yeah, I would say skip ahead like a minute or so. Um, okay, sorry, I have to, like, <laughs> psych myself up. So, he still wanted to try to get ransom money from her family. So, he sewed her eyes open, and he took a picture of her with a newspaper that was from, I think, a couple of days before that to make it look like she was still alive. And then he posted the picture, I believe they said it was in a park, and he did that so that her family would think that she was still alive. And that picture is, I saw that picture by chance. I didn't even mean to look it up when I saw it, but it haunted me. Like it is ingrained in my brain for the rest of my life. And it's in black and white. Which is a blessing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I can't, and I saw pictures of her alive, and the difference between that picture and her alive, it's just... Astronomical? It is. It doesn't even look like her. Like, I think no. I told you that it looks like she has, like, a pound of makeup yes. on in the black and white yes. that she's dead in, which is so sad. And it seems so like there was some bloating in her face. Oh, she I, had a very thin a face. Yeah. it's. You can tell that she's already decomping. Yeah. And I don't like to say that gruesomely, yeah. but... Yeah, and really the only reason that he was able to do that is because it was so cold. Well, he's gone, and she was outside in that shed. Because her skin gets kind of leathery, so she kind of has that leathery look to her as well, sadly. Yeah. So, fucking disgusting. And that's the way that he defiled her further after he left her for two weeks... To go on a fucking cruise. He didn't do anything to her body after, did he? He was touted as a necrophile. So I don't know. But that is one of the descriptors of him in his criminal profile is that he was a necrophile. Okay. Fortunately, I did not come across anything saying that he did anything. I was just hoping that there would be some good that didn't happen to her, but apparently Yeah. Well, and after that... He dismembered her. He disposed... Again, trigger warning. I should have said you can skip forward even farther. I'll give you a second. 
Um, so he dismembered her and then he disposed of the various pieces of her in a lake that was just north of Anchorage. Her remains were recovered in April of 2012. So yes, they were recovered. Um, the worst part of it is that her parents deposited money into her account after the ransom thing. And he had asked, I think, I think he had also texted her parents from her phone, but they deposited money into her account. And he withdrew the funds, and then he proceeded to travel through Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico. He tried to disguise himself while he was traveling, but he, his rental car, they got on to him somehow. His rental car was being tracked. He was seen on a camera at an ATM, if I remember correctly. And then Texas law enforcement got tipped off, and he was stopped, and he had Samantha's driver's license and other incriminating items with him. So they knew it was him. So that's why he got brought in. So as terrible as it is, thank God he was caught because who knows what else would have happened and how many other people would have lost their lives if he wasn't. Well, I think it was the video cameras that caught him, wasn't it, at the mm-hmm. coffee shop? Yes, he was caught on the video cameras, but they couldn't recognize him because he was disguised. But they knew that she went missing because of that. They caught that on camera. I think the owner, uh, yes, I do know the owner had seen the video, reported it to police. So it was already on radar. Right. And then I'm sure they were pinging her phone using towers because you can use towers at that time. Yeah, but he had taken the battery out of her phone. So they were only able to ping it at certain times but I'm pretty sure his phone they got pings from as well but they were tracking him through those areas mm-hmm. and her boyfriend I bet also... you that was also one of the key points to mm-hmm. getting him caught was the boyfriend yeah because he had face-to-face contact yeah if that is I'm pretty sure that is true I don't know for certain if I'll that wasn't just listen to the episodes because I don't really remember yeah I don't remember for certain where I'd heard that from but I'm pretty sure it's true Um, I just don't want to say it 100% is, but he was, in terms of his normal style, he was sloppy with this one. Very sloppy. Yeah, and it was his downfall. I think it just, I think he tried to be ballsy with it, and then it just kind of escalated, but I don't give a shit because he was arrested, and I, I hope that he is rotting in hell right now. But before he was arrested, he had visited some of his family in Texas. He had family that lived out there. His sister was trying to get him to reconsider joining the Christian faith again because he had actually denounced his religion when he was younger and categorized himself as an atheist. Um, But they had, I don't know if they were still fundamentalists at this time, his family, or if they were still not white supremacist church. But they had a pastor that was there. I don't know if they had the pastor come out specifically to talk to him or if he just happened to be there when they were visiting. But he had told the pastor, quote, you don't know the depths of darkness I've gone to. You don't know what I've done. End quote. Okay, so then you need to hop into a Catholic church. Repent. Step inside the booth. Right. Repent Confess. for your sins. Repent. And then I need... That priest to go tell the cops and completely null the confidentiality. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks. Exactly. So after he was arrested, he was, of course, extradited back to Alaska because that's where the crime took place. When he was in the interview initially, he did claim that he wasn't smart with Samantha Koenig's killing. He used to let victims come to him, and he didn't blame this one out as much. So, like I said, case broke his typical M.O., 
including the location and that he didn't pre-plan it because if you remember one of his roles was that he didn't kill close to home he right. broke that he lived in alaska he lived right outside of anchorage i'm pretty sure so he just he was sloppy i'm glad he was oh absolutely so glad he was i wish he had been sloppier sooner though yeah exactly exactly because who knows exactly what happened like he could be underestimating and i'm not using estimating but he could be like he could have underreported how many people he killed or he could be exaggerating he's both kinds of fucked up i wish he had fucked up on the first one exactly if and he had like not killed anybody at all yes back in what was it 96 96 potentially that he did his first one it just in the way that he killed the couriers and killed Samantha Koenig. And yes, those are the only ones that we know the definitive details of. But my God, it just turns my stomach. And yeah, I don't know. But like I said, he committed suicide in his jail cell. Um, he was being held in Anchorage. He slit his wrists and then he choked himself with a bedsheet. I mean, at least you asphyxiated yourself like you did your victims, you piece of shit. Exactly. Exactly. I think he did it to just speed up the process. That is not a long or a short process, though. No, I hope he suffered. I hope he suffered so bad. I hope he started panicking. Makes me a terrible person, but seriously. No. But he did this on, I believe it was December 1st. I saw another report that said December 12th, but it was sometime in December of 2012. What is the fucking worst is that obviously he didn't stand trial for what he did because he was only arrested for the murder of Samantha Koenig. So he hadn't even been charged with anything concerning the couriers or anything, but he was given a razor and he wasn't supposed to be. So someone fucking gave him a razor and that's how he slid his wrists. Judicial system. Love you guys to death, but get it together. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like he took the coward's way out. And he just tried to appear like a martyr, like he just wanted to end it so that it wasn't over his daughter's head. And I do think that he genuinely meant that. But come on, dude, use some of that empathy on other fucking humans too. be a good human. Again, like I said, you just killed a woman who was not that much older than your own daughter. Exactly. And you somehow justified that. Exactly. And you made her family and her boyfriend worry about her. You played fucking mind games with them. To for get money. weeks. Yeah. It just... It's disgusting. Yeah. It's and the just, only word I can continually use yes. throughout this podcast. Sorry. And he just left her like she was nothing. in the couriers. It's disgusting. I wish he could have given their location up. Like, I... I yeah. I'm, I say this softly, but I love when I get to find out that they are recovered and brought home to their families. Exactly, because it's at least some Some sense closure. of closure. Like Tara Grin said, the family has nothing. I know. All they know is that there was DNA confirmed. Well, they have teeth and right. a few bone fragments. That, but that's it. But that's it. They literally stand because at an she empty was grave. Exactly. Because she's gone. And I feel like that's so hard for so many families to not have their loved one come home exactly regardless of if they're alive or not yeah just having them home in some sense you know it's a piece of closure exactly and yeah i mean even when i look it up there's if you try to see if bill and courier were ever found there's nothing mm, that's so heartbreaking at all, at all. 
Well, good riddance, but it sucks that he got to choose his own way out. Yeah. This case is, like, mentally exhausting. Mentally, emotionally, everything. And, like I said, that's why I just it, feel so bad because you've, like, almost cried, like, six times. I know. And you're just pissed and emotional, yeah. and which is great. I love seeing that from people because it shows that you give a shit. But mm-hmm. it sucks that you have to go through that emotion right. to tell their stories. Exactly. And that's why I said, like, I wanted to just get this case out of the way. I knew I wanted to cover it. Yeah. I just... He's such a piece of shit, man. I'm still waiting for the case that does that for me. I don't... Yeah. I don't know why this one did... It Really, it's the Samantha Koenig... That's fair. ...aspect. What the fuck he did to her... Oh, it's despicable. It just turns my stomach, and it just tears at my heart and I have you know I I am an empath and you know I feel for people so much and all of these victims are never lost on me but damn dude this no, one I'm just... the same way I'm I'm right there with you yeah. we're very empathic both mm-hmm. of us but for some reason I haven't had that case yet that's yeah made me stop get emotional like I get heated mm-hmm. obviously but yeah I've never had that case yet and I'm truly waiting for it not saying that I don't feel emotions for all of these victims that we do talk about I do it just gets into a different place yes. in your mind and in your heart absolutely I have yeah. learned how to compartmentalize which mm-hmm. is not necessarily the best thing in the world but it's not the worst yeah. either yeah um so I think I compartmentalize myself when I go through these when I watch these shows yep I did get emotional the the other night I told you that I got emotional Mm -hmm. the other night with that one so maybe that hit home personally yeah it did yeah (sighs) so that is Israel Keys yikes that fucking son of a bitch but I will post pictures of Bill and Lorraine they were the sweetest I bet you they were so cute I can't wait to see the pictures I'm not gonna look I'm gonna listen post yeah I will post pictures of them and Samantha. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah, so beautiful. Absolutely stunning. And just their families. I just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the elusiveness of this that kind of is what gets me more because it's like there's such an overabundance of information on these other prolific killers, which is sick. But again, we're all... But again, how are you going to tell the stories without... Yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The murderers, yeah. you can't. And it's something that we... Mm-hmm. I think we've touched on this every single episode yeah. so far, but how how are we supposed to tell their stories exactly. without telling how they got there? Yeah, and in the case of the Couriers and of Samantha Koenig, you... There's no easy way to explain what happened no. to them. There's no easy way. There's no easy way to explain any of these victims. Exactly. Exactly, and it just... It's heartbreaking to think that there's more that we don't know. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, how much more? I, in my mind, I want to be like, eh, it's not as much as he's saying. I'm praying that it's not. But there's so many, God, there's so many unsolved cases. And that's the other thing. It's like, there are so many unsolved cases. If you could match someone to it, it's getting an answer. Mm -hmm. What's worse? What's better? That's the thing. It is kind of weird. And it's like, and this is going to sound super morbid, but it's interesting that you bring that up because I'll drive past an open field. I'll mm-hmm. drive past a forested area. And the I know this is sick, but the first thing that comes to my mind is how many unknown bodies are out there. Yes, I do the same thing. Because it's it's 
just vast open spots like that, it's easy for people. And it's sick. Oh, it's disgusting. But it's, that's what we've come to in this Mm -hmm. world of true crime is there's literally nothing good around any corner. Yeah, exactly. Like nature is beautiful and gorgeous, but at the same time, it's deadly and hiding secrets. Yeah, what fucking secrets are in that forest, are in that lake? Bodies of water terrify me. (laughs) <laughs> for that exact reason, man. It I'm just, not giggling at you. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I just get it, and I'm over here like, oh, I love going on the lake. I'm such a water baby, but then, like, you say that, and I'm like, oh, you're fair. Think about it. Well, I mean, how many body parts wash up every year on the ocean? Exactly. On the coast? It's easy, and water is the quickest thing to get rid of evidence, man, aside from burning. The only thing is, is that all it does is degrade it over time. It doesn't get rid of it. Fingerprints, though. True. Well, that was a rough case. Yeah, I but, am uh, mentally exhausted. I want to go okay. to sleep. I want to curl up in a ball. It's okay. We have a fun weekend ahead of us. We get to hang out with each other. Yes. It's going to be a blast. Have funsies. Have funsies. So much funsies. Party like rock stars. <laughs> Absolutely not. not I'm me. far too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> that hangover <laughs> sounds not. terrible. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, but get ready for a fun story. I've already started my research. I already know what I'm doing. I don't know what she's doing. We decided we're going to keep a surprise to each other, too. And we said, if we don't like it, we'll change it later. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just keep changing as we go along. It's fine. It's fine. We're going to get in a flow, in a groove. I feel like we're already getting there, but... We are. Yeah. Four episodes in. Yep. So, get ready for for an adventure. Oh, boy. (laughs) After your last one. It's not going like, to be I don't know how I as can long as H.H. H. Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. Not even the length of it, just like the mind melt <laughs> that it was. I love doing that to people, though. That's like my favorite thing. I love making your brain hurt. I like doing it, but if we're making each other's brain hurt every week, man. Uh, well, it's going to be every other week. Well, if my case also makes your brain hurt... Then it's every week. We're just back and forth. I would say it blows my brain. I wouldn't say that it hurts my brain. Are you calling me dumb? No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) We need some comedic relief because seriously, that was such a heavy episode. And I'm so uncomfy. (laughs) Even though you're kicked back on your couch in our new recording spot? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I love this spot. It's great. All right. Fantastic. So, please send us case suggestions. Please. Send us emails. You know, we want to hear from y'all. Even if you have to ping us on Instagram or whatever, like, let us know what you guys got for cases, because I would love to hear some. Yeah, because we want to know what you guys want to hear, because I know our intent, I know I just kind of did a heavy hitter, but we want to try to do cases that aren't as well known, because... You get the same thing, you Everybody know. Everybody does the Golden State Killer. Exactly. Everyone does BTK. Exactly. Everyone does... We're not covering those. Hate to break it to you. Unless we get, like, massive amounts of requests for it, I have no desire to talk about Dennis Rader or about Joseph D'Angelo. I'm a, I'm up for it. I'll do it. Ugh. Any day of the week. Ugh. Let me tell you about these sons of bitches. Ugh. So They're that... just overdone. Oh, absolutely. I'm hearing about them. Anyway... If you do want to send us an email, you can do that at in the nick of crime podcast at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Nick of Crime Podcast and also become a patron. We were just discussing what we want to do for Patreon. Again, if you have suggestions of what you would like to see, we're thinking right now we'll probably just do a bonus episode, but we don't know because we need to hear from y'all. Yeah, we don't really have a fan base yet. So. Yeah, let us know. Aside from our friends and family, they're obligated to like us. Uh, yeah, they have no choice. <laughs> but you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash in the nick of crime. So, yeah, keep following us. We're getting some little baby followers on Instagram. Hearing from people, getting some interaction. We just want to hear from y'all. We want to hear from the audience what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Constructive criticism goes a long way. Don't be dicks. (laughs) But we just want to know, you know, how... We can make it better that you want to listen to us more. How to better ourselves. Because we would love to get to the point where we could talk to you guys, where we can have merch, where Mm -hmm. we can... Do fun stuff like that, but yep. it takes you guys to get there. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's all we've got for this week. We will catch you next week. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.